Yes, that's good. Good morning. You know, with the advent of um, social media, the idea of um, following and being followed has really changed, hasn't it? And uh, believe it or not, I've got some followers. You might have more followers than me, but I've got some followers. Not many. And I'm not actually sure what they're following. I don't even have a profile picture. But if you're a, a Facebooker or an Instagrammer or a Twitterer or whatever, you'll understand that it's a world where you follow people and uh, people follow you. Apparently Twitter was launched in July 2006 and in the 10 years since, they reckon there's over 300 million uh, active monthly users of uh, Twitter, but apparently Instagram has far exceeded that, something like 500 million, this is not just who've signed up like me but don't use it, 500 million who actually actively use it um, in the world. Quite amazing, isn't it? And so there's people who have huge followings. We saw Justin Bieber up on there. He was one who had a very huge following, thousands and millions of people uh, following him. Um, People follow their lives, people follow their, their words, their lifestyle, their diets, their, their choices, fashion, all sorts of things. Uh, of people they, they don't know, but somehow they admire and almost want to emulate, want to be like that person. It's really interesting, isn't it, that somebody who you've never met, somebody who's at a great distance, can be somebody who you really want to just follow. You see, following people on Twitter or Facebook or whatever is, is one thing, but Following a person in a, a, a really true and genuine way, being a true follower of someone is something quite different, isn't it? Because when you truly follow someone, it actually means imitating their life. Um, and so when you're really tr- truly following someone, it does really matter a lot who you follow. I don't really care who you choose to follow on, on Facebook, but uh, there are some choices in life about who you follow that are really, really important. You see, millions of people over the years followed people who weren't good, Think about Hitler, think about Stalin, think about Pol Pot. People have followed these uh, dynamic leaders, but they followed them uh, to a, a dreadful place. Now, Jesus said many times, follow me. And I guess if, if Jesus today had, a, had a, a Facebook or a Twitter account, he would probably be the most followed person on the face of this earth. You see, Jesus followers, and Ali expressed it beautifully this morning, Jesus followers want to, want to grow to be more and more and more like him. And Jesus actually said at one stage, you're, you're my friends, you're my friends, you're my friends, you're followers of me if you do what I say. So today I just wanted to look really briefly at the context in which Jesus says, follow me. And we've had it in that reading that was enacted for us. Um, Jesus grew up in a Jewish family and in Jewish families, there was great, a great degree of parental instruction, so parents had fantastic input into their children, or they were meant to, but much of the teaching about how to live a life that pleased God was carried out by rabbis. And Jesus, later on, was often referred to as a rabbi, and you ask yourself, well, how did he get that place into that place of being referred to as a rabbi, as somebody who somebody should follow? Well, I just want to talk to you really briefly about the way Education and training happened in Jesus' day. Thanks, Tim. They had like three levels of school. The first level was like primary school. So if you're young here, maybe from five years old, they went to this school called Beth Sefer. And that was where they were taught by a rabbi. And apparently in that school, between the ages of, say, five and 12 or something like that, they concentrated on what they called Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. Now, if you were to have a look at them in your Bible, 
man, there's a lot of words in there. In my Bible, it's, it's, up to about, it's up to about there, and it's really small print. And actually, by the time they'd finished that part of their schooling, most of them could actually recite that off by heart. So a lot of their education was done just learning things wrote in that sort of way. So later on, they went to secondary school called Beth Midrash, and there they were taught by a rabbi. rabbi. There they started to learn more than just the Torah, the first five books. They learned the, what was called the, the, the writings and the, and the prophets, and they expanded their horizons to the rest of the Old Testament. But they also learned about how the Torah was to be interpreted. So there was a whole lot of oral um, understandings that people had that had been passed down, and so they learned about that in high school. And then there was... Uh, the third level, and not, not everyone went to this level, but it was called, uh, the word Talmudim means disciples. And so there was a select few uh, people who were chosen by a particular rabbi to be his followers. They were like the pick of the, the best, the cream of the crop in terms of students, and they chose to follow a rabbi. And that means something quite different. Just interesting, the ages and stages. When they were five, it says they were ready for scripture. When they were 10, they were ready for this oral learning and the rest of the Old Testament. When they were 13, ready for the fulfilling of the commandments. When they were 15, ready to actually understand and apply the, the, the Old Testament law to themselves. When they were 18, they were ready for marriage. When they were 20, they were ready for a vocation. And uh, when... Um, I saw... Not 18. Um, vocationally... Many after that, Beth Midrash went and, and continued in the business that their father had had and they, they just worked on something that they'd actually been learning along the way as well. As you think of the life of Jesus, there's a lot of uh, interesting parallels with the, the, these stages and the sort of uh, training that he would have had. But we just need to say just a little bit about what it would have looked like to, do, to be a Talmud or a disciple of a rabbi. You see... When we're students at school, I know when I was at school, most, most of the things we wanted to learn from a teacher was sort of knowledge stuff. We wanted to be able to pass the test at the end, didn't we? And so a, a student wants to know what the teacher knows, really. We had some teachers at school who some of the students knew more than the teachers. I remember a year uh, 12 maths class where I had a mate and he was far better value than the teacher. Um, but most times we want to know what the teacher knows so that we can pass the test. But a Talmud or a disciple, he wants to be like the teacher. So there's a real difference, isn't there, between knowing what the teacher knows and actually being like the teacher to become what the teacher is or who the teacher is. What a, what a distinction we need to make there. And so this meant that a, a Talmud or a disciple who was associated with a rabbi, he was passionately devoted to that rabbi. He noted everything that that rabbi said. He wanted to follow that, that rabbi meticulously. He wanted to understand the way the rabbi understood the Bible and he wanted to be able to live out that in the way that the rabbi did. And eventually, he hoped that the rabbi would pass on to him that ability to also be a rabbi who could lead others in a similar way. And so that's the sort of context in which Jesus was born. He grew up and, as we mentioned earlier, at around the age of 30 years, um, he began to do what a rabbi would have done. He began to present his message about the kingdom of heaven and he invited followers to, to follow him. Thanks, Tim. The reading from the Bible this time is, from then on, Jesus began to preach. And this was his message as this rabbi. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In the same passage, it says, Jesus, Jesus travelled through the, the region of Galilee, 
teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And so this was the message that Jesus had for people. It's this message of the good news about the kingdom. Turn away from the way you've been living and turn to me and understand something about this kingdom, this kingdom of heaven. He's saying, in, in effect, change your thinking about God. Change your thinking about life as you've understood it up until now. Because in me, this is in Jesus himself, he's saying, God's work of bringing all things back to himself and all things back together, restoring all things, God's work has begun. And I want you to follow me. You're all welcome. Come on board. And so Jesus is calling people to follow him. He's he's calling them to embrace a whole new way of life. He's saying to them, if you follow me, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be washed clean of your sin if you repent and turn to me. You'll know the freedom of living as part of my family, the family of God. And you'll actually be filled with God's spirit to enable you to do what God wants you to do. And so this is this powerful message of the kingdom that as Jesus speaks, people become, begin to understand a little more of what he's on about. And it's all tied up with his life and his death and his resurrection. You see, Jesus was no ordinary rabbi. He actually was God's son. Well, as we read in the passage, there were, Jesus had followers. One day as he was walking along the shores, he saw two brothers. So Ian did a great job as Jesus today. And we saw these other guys, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net in the water. And Jesus calls out to them and he says, Come and follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. Quite amazing. And it came out in the drama, didn't it? Actually, see your dad, we're off. They left what was their occupation and they followed. A little farther up the shore he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets. And he called to them, Come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. And so these disciples, these early followers of Jesus, they responded to him like a Talmud would have responded to a rabbi. They left everything behind and they chose to check out this teacher who was beginning to attract uh, such a following. This good news message about the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven being near. They were being invited to join it to turn their backs on their old life, their old fishing business, their old family associations even, and learn how to fish for people. What what would that mean? And to help others to understand and embrace this life-transforming good news story that this new rabbi Jesus was telling about. I guess they had some understanding that to follow Jesus was going to mean total commitment. I love the way it says there, immediately they left their nets at once. And they followed him. They left everything that was associated with their life. It meant a total commitment on their part. It meant being devoted to becoming like Jesus, listening to him, observing him, understanding what he taught, and then interpreting it, and then putting it into practice. Everything else in their lives was going to become secondary to following this, this rabbi, Jesus, who they aligned themselves with. Following so close that some some writers talk about them being covered in the dust of the rabbi. As he walks ahead, the dust goes up and they're actually so close, so imitating him, so much a part of who he is that they're covered in the dust that he, he, he stirs up. You see, ultimately when this teacher, this rabbi, believed that his disciple had, was truly committed to becoming like him, 
he commissioned him then to become a disciple maker himself. And I wonder as you think about just this commitment of these disciples as followers of Jesus, I wonder if you're a follower of Jesus today, do you understand your commitment to him in those sort of terms? Leaving everything that was associated with life before you met him uh, to live a brand new life. And I wonder if you're here this morning and you're just checking Jesus out. You're interested, but you, you, you wouldn't say you've chosen to follow him. It's really good for you to think about what this disciple-rabbi relationship was like. See, this was no casual step. This was choosing to follow Jesus, and it meant a, a radical transformation. Well, as time went on, there's more followers Jesus travelled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness, as we saw. And news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralysed, he healed them all. And large crowds followed him wherever he went, people from Galilee, the Ten Towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. It would seem, as we read this, that many people followed and we'd have to question why they're following. He's healing people. He's doing miraculous things. And as we read the stories of Jesus in the, in the Gospels, those first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we come to understand that there were people who, who followed him more for what they could get out of it than actually really following him. And there were people who, when things got harder, they chose to unfollow in uh, social media terms. When you get to John chapter 6, you read a really interesting uh, whole chapter there. But in that chapter, Jesus actually fed 5,000 people, provided bread and fish for 5,000 people from five small loaves and two fish. And the people are fed and Back up. We don't need that one yet, sorry, Tim. Oh, sorry, that, we don't, yeah, that's it. Um, they've been fed from 5,000 people and they're starting to ask about bread. And it, Jesus can see that they're following him because of the miracles he did rather than genuinely wanting to follow him for who he was and what his kingdom meant. And so there's a, a dialogue goes on and Jesus says to me, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. And they said, oh no, we want to do those sort of signs too. And in, the, in, the, in our history, we remember how in, in the wilderness, God fed Moses and the people with manna from heaven. We want to be able to do that sort of thing. And Jesus says to him, Moses didn't give you the bread. It was actually my father God who gave you the bread. And now, he says, and this is what gets them, he says, now... He offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say, oh, sir, give us that sort of bread. Give it it to us every day. And Jesus then says, and this confronts them, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And they say, they're really confused and they say, he says he's coming down from heaven. We know him. Isn't he, isn't he Joseph's son? We know his family. And Jesus just goes on and he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. 
this bread which I offer to the world, it's my flesh. And they're getting more and more confused and, and uh, upset. And they say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says to them again, he says, unless, I, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you can't have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person of the last day. And these people are incredibly confronted by this. And in the next passage, thanks to him, it says that many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? For somebody in physical terms to say, eat my flesh and drink my blood, was hard to understand. For a Jew, the idea of drinking blood was just, just not on. It was a, a repulsive. And yet Jesus is, is saying in a really powerful way, unless you believe in me, unless you fully embrace who I am, unless you actually eat in a spiritual sense who I am, unless you take hold of me for all, all your worth, you're actually not part of me. And they didn't seem to get it, or else if they did get it, they realised that it was, it, the cost was just too great. And Jesus was aware that they were complaining, so he said, does this offend you? The very words I've spoken to you are spirit of, of, and life, but some of you don't believe me. But Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who'd betray him. And then he said, that's why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. It's sad for us to think that people who begin to follow stop following, that people would unfollow Jesus. It's easy for us on uh, social media to unfollow someone. It's probably just a matter of ticking a box. I've never really done it. But to make a decision to unfollow Jesus was a serious one. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Why? I think it's because it got too hard. It was too deep. It was too confronting. It was too demanding. And they unfollow him. And yet, when we come to the next slide, thanks, Tim, Jesus turns to the twelve and he asks, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter, who's often their spokesman, he says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Fantastic response. And, you know, we face the same challenge no matter where we stand today. Someone has described Jesus uh, or following Jesus as like swimming uphill against the tide, against the stream. And, you know, there'll be temptations and there'll be hardships and there'll be disappointments and there'll be discouragements and there'll be doubts and there'll be fears and all sorts of things that come in uh, to make our lives complicated, things that we don't understand. And maybe you've been checking out Jesus, but it's almost as if you've hit that unfollow button. Maybe you've been following Jesus, but you feel like life's throwing you a whole lot of curveballs and you just don't know how to deal with them. Maybe you need to just be reminded of Peter's words here, Lord, to whom would we go? In the midst of all of the confusion and struggle of life, if we didn't have Jesus, to whom would we go? We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God and you're the one who has the words of eternal life. And so I want to remind you of those words this morning. The message of the kingdom is that God doesn't want you to actually do life alone. He wants you to do it walking step by step 
with Jesus. And he wants to enable you to do it. He wants to empower you by his spirit, his personal presence in your life. The guys are going to sing a song for us as we close. And I just want you to reflect as you do on these four questions that are on this final slide. Because as we think about following Jesus, there's probably amongst us this morning one of these questions that might just be appropriate for you to think about and dwell on. I wonder if you're here this morning and you're, actually, you're just checking out Jesus maybe for the first time. The question is, have I understood the good news of Jesus, this good news of the kingdom, and have I chosen to follow? Maybe that's something you need to be really uh, examining. Troy's going to be running a, a journeys course starting on July the 13th. If you're really interested in checking out Jesus and really delving deeper, that's a fantastic opportunity to do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, the challenge for, for, for you and for me is to ask ourselves each day, Am I making that deliberate choice each day to walk in the footsteps of my rabbi, Jesus? Am I a disciple, a Talmud, who wants to be so close to him that I know what he would do and I choose to do it? Maybe you're going through a really difficult time and you're tempted to unfollow when it seems too hard or you don't feel that your needs are being met. Maybe you need to be reminded this, this morning of Peter's words, to whom would I go? And to recognise again that Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. I just trust that these things would be things that you would think about, questions you would ask yourself this morning. Thanks, Cindy. Just invite.